0: It's about six months since we last spoke, and it was about six months before that that you told us all that you were pregnant. I think what we'll want to know, Donna, is have you had that baby yet?
1: That baby is out, and she is wonderful. She is called Sylvia, and she's sleeping like an angel next door, and obviously now I've said that she's going to wake up any minute, but, um, but yeah, she's been here for six months, And, um, I won't lie, the first seven weeks were horrendous, absolutely horrendous. She screamed every time she was awake, but she's very much part of our family now and a delight and a smiley little ball of wonder.
0: Welcome, Sylvia, to the Right for Your Life family.
1: Oh, thanks, thanks, yes, great. She'll be delighted. Who knows what she will do or be when she grows up, as long as she's happy, I don't mind. But it would be nice if she became extremely rich.
0: Well, let's hope she's not a writer, because there's no money in this game. Well, I mean, are we going to start with the news? Should we start with the news? It seems a bit, I mean, it's a bit strange. Like, this is the news, and we've kind of been away for six months. We've missed, we've missed a lot of news.
1: Yes, a lot has happened. I'm not even sure that I can think back past the Rugby World Cup at the moment. And all our listeners in America are going to be like, the rugby, what,
0: what? I'm a bit like that myself. I mean, it's not that I don't... I do sort of understand rugby, but um, uh, I don't... I've never really... I can't fall for it. Like, I, I, I fell for football, as in soccer, when I was young because everyone did and we were made to. And then cricket I've fallen in love with since then and primarily these days just as a spectator. And the statistics involved in cricket is enough to keep any kind of person with a certain type of brain involved but um, rugby it's never been it's never been my thing
1: hmm. well i mean i am yeah the world cup is is um, a lot of fun i think um but i'm honestly struggling to think of what's happened before that i mean today i've just read the the massive news that playboy is um, no longer to publish nude pictures of women that's big news
0: is very big, <laughs> very big news. And what's their um, what's the justification for stopping this?
1: They say that every conceivable um type of image or sex act if you want to call it that is uh, just one click away these days. So that's I, um, that. See, I've just said that out loud, and that doesn't sound like justification. I have no idea. You're asking the wrong person. I think it's interesting because you know this is a print magazine um, for the Right for Your Life angle here. You know. That is quite a bold move, isn't it, for a magazine to be uh, essentially getting rid of the majority of their content?
0: So, uh, Playboy have stopped uh, printing uh, pictures of nude women. So they are what they. I mean, because I've I've never read Playboy um, or looked at the pictures, but um, my my sort of knowledge of this is that Playboy has kind of always had this notion of itself as being breasts yes but also in some way a, a serious magazine with articles and things that people can read
1: exactly and there's been a lot of funny stuff going on online at the moment um with people saying you know it's going to be interesting to see if all the people that subscribe for the articles are still going to be subscribing now um, because apparently that's quite a large proportion of their subscribers um are in it for the articles That's a great word for uh, for both of them, actually. And it's a bit strange that I have read Playboy, and you're suggesting that you haven't. Out of the two of us, I'm the only one that's done it.
0: I've never never read Playboy nor looked at the pictures. Now, I did find um, a magazine by a pond when I was around nine. It was quite a dirty (laughs) magazine, and most of its pages were ripped. But there was enough of the magazine left for me to understand what it was, Although not how it got there and um Interesting. i spent sorry oh, i don't know 10, ten fifteen minutes sort of leaping through the pages in a bush, but beyond that um <laughs> i've i've never really been um i've never never really been up up for it or into it and why were you reading
1: um well, I remember going over to a friend's house when I was at primary school, so I must have been eight or nine, and she took me upstairs and she said. Come here, look at this, because we're from Somerset, and she lifted up her parents' mattress, and under uh, her dad's side of the bed there were um, there was a little stash of Playboy magazines. So we had a little leaf free then. That was quite exciting. I was like, "That's a nice car. Why is that lady lying on it?"
0: What, it it's a true it,
1: story. <laughs> it's, a, it's
0: a it's a great, it's a great story. Interesting. Image, quite, that's quite a quite a bold hiding place. I would suggest.
1: It is, actually, when you think about it, isn't it? And not a very good one, if his, even his daughter had found it. But anyway, um, it will be very interesting to see what happens to um, to Playboy. I mean, presumably they'll just stop printing and just go online, won't they, like everybody else?
0: I don't know. I mean, I don't even know what the readership of Playboy is now. I mean, the print magazines have obviously been struggling for some time. And I don't know, It is is Playboy even Where did you get this news from? I wouldn't imagine Playboy is relevant. I didn't know about this. Well what are you did, no, what you're reading playboy we've already established that, but what are you reading in order to find out news about playboy
1: at, they were talking about it on Radio four this morning wow i mean this is this this is you know this is very interesting news sixty two years apparently playboy has been printing
0: yeah so it's, it's, it's a long time
1: it is a long time it is a long time um playboy may not be dying, but something else has died while we've been away in terms of um Sales and that is the e reader. Isn't that the case, Ian?
0: Um I thought it was just e books. I thought e readers but then I suppose one thing leads to another. But e book sales are down ten percent. And um it suggests that the market is not quite um well, it's definitely not growing. It's not been growing for a couple of years. Really, not in the same way that it did. Um but I don't th- I, I think what it ultimately means and I think I still think this is a good thing, is that it's not the end of bookshops as we know them completely. And there has been a bit of a renaissance, um, certainly in the UK, with independent bookshops. A few more of them sprung up. Don't get me wrong, it's not like it's some kind of booming industry, but um, it's settled down slightly. They're not they're not closing in their vast numbers like they were. But uh, it suggests that people are not... Um, are not adverse to reading in print, and, um, and we're reading actual books. And I feel—I don't—I might be wrong about this, but I—I I feel this is pretty anecdotal, and the anecdotes come in primarily from my own brain and sight from going around bookshops myself. I think I feel like the the publishers in the last—I don't know—two years there's been a distinct effort to make books a much more desirable product. Like the covers are amazing. There's some really beautiful book covers these days and also um that that's become a, a relatively fundamental part of the marketing process
1: mm-hmm.
0: do you have you noticed anything like that or is this just me imagining it putting two and two together and hopefully making the number that I wanted to make
1: I have actually and um I've I've noticed some covers online that I've actually remarked to publishers on and said, "Wow, this is a really beautiful cover." So that's it's funny that you were talking about that too. Um, but but yeah, I think I think this is like a this is really exciting. Rather than this being a change in effort from the publishing side of things, I think this is just. Well, I, it's not. By the way, I should also say it's not just e-books that have gone down. It's e-readers. That's why Waterstones is going to stop selling Kindle. You know that, right? Don't you?
0: Well, this is part of it. I mean, it's, but, but that always seemed a strange match for me, anyway. So, uh, the, the e-book sales are down ten percent. That's kind of that was a big thing. in New York Times uh, last month. It was it was the idea that um, uh, you know e-books haven't killed off print. But also in the UK, Waterstones are about to stop stocking uh, Kindles in store, but it always seems like a, I mean, we talked about this months ago, years ago, and um, that it seemed like a, a strange sort of marriage, but, um, and, you know, maybe people just aren't buying their Kindles in actual bookshops.
1: Yeah, well, they're just not buying Kindles at all. Everybody, it seems this is what it seems to say in the news, everybody who wanted to buy an e-reader has bought it and there's not the desire to upgrade to new models. So it, that's why it's completely stagnated.
0: Okay, so maybe we're reading the maybe we're reading the different different things here. We are. So you're I was saying,
1: reading wi- Wired. We can put this in the show notes. So this is Wired. Um, we're talking about the fact that you know they're just they're not selling e-readers at all.
0: Just, um, just out of interest, where would where would a, uh where would a listener find those show notes?
1: Oh well, my goodness! It's the first time after our break that we're able to talk about the link, and I'm not stalling for time because I can't remember it at all. It's five by five dot slash wfyl slash one five four. But all of this is great news, isn't it? People, there's that's more space in bookshops for real books. There's beautiful books being made, and people are buying books.
0: Yeah, it seems like a, I, I mean, yeah, I, I'm not massively surprised. It's just a, like, everyone bought e-readers, everyone got into e-books, and now the market is settling down and finding its place. That's pretty much all there is to it. I'm sure things will change again. What made me wonder about what's next? What's next for the reading experience? Mm. I think, I think reading on mobile phones has to, I know that people already do that, so I'm kind of, I, I realize that I'm not exactly mystic meg in this situation i know that people already read on their phones but i've been uh, have you uh, have you had your eye on the latest news from cupertino with the latest uh, versions of the iphone
1: no i have not please enlighten me
0: I- again um this is very old news because obviously the screen sizes went up last year it's just that i've not upgraded to an iphone 6 or 6s but the big screens um I've kind of, I originally poo-pooed mainly on account of my tiny fingers and my proportionally tiny thumb. I've got quite small, I've got got large palms, but small fingers. I don't really know how that works. It's kind of like fish fingers on a big dinner plate. It just doesn't quite, the ratio isn't quite right. Anyway.
1: (laughs) I've got massive giant flap thumbs.
0: Flap thumbs? What do you mean by flap? Like a sort of an iguana? Yeah,
1: they look like iguana thumbs.
0: Um, I've never, no- I've never noticed this.
1: No, no, I'm exaggerating. I think we're both exaggerating slightly. We're probably, you know, all be told quite normal in our hands if we, if we, if it came down to it.
0: Well, but it, it, I can't. So I've been, I've tried. I've, I've, I've held an iPhone six and an iPhone six plus, especially, and uh, I, I just can't do it with one hand. I don't think that's that extraordinary. I think a lot of people can't use it with one hand. But um, if I can get over that, I'm kind of thinking. This is perfect. It's kind of... The, it's Pomodoro writing. We've talked about that before. Just sort of mm-hmm. writing in the quick 25 minutes that you can find here, there and everywhere. Um, and Pomodoro reading. And I think uh, uh, having it on your phone, like having it on my smaller phone at the moment, I it's kind of a bit awkward. I have tried it, but I, and I read... I think, I, I think I've think read uh, the first 100 pages of the first Game of Thrones Song of Ice and Fire book um, on uh, my phone, but it was just crazy. I was just, it was, uh, it just wasn't happening. It's just far too small. But, you know, the big phones are now the size of e-readers. And um, so I've had my eye on one, but I, I really cannot justify spending that kind of money just to have what is a book on a screen.
1: I've always wished that I could hold a basketball underneath my hand. Can you do that?
0: As in, you put your hand on top of the basketball and then try and lift it off the ground?
1: Yeah, you're able to grip it from above.
0: Um... No, I can't do that. I'll refer you back to my fish finger and dinner plate f- hands. So this is our first show in um, a few months, but I'm also conscious that as well as people uh, listening who have obviously heard us before, there are going to be some people who will never have heard our show before. And um, we, we have made a few changes and we are going to be making further changes, um, which we can talk about later, but I thought a good way to introduce people to the uh the podcast if this is your first time listening is to talk about the right for your life podcast drinking game <laughs> which is played by just one person it's um uh andrew clues clueless on uh, twitter clue underscore less who is also the host of the motoring podcast and um he's a, a long-time listener and every week he on his own i say again he's the only one doing this um, he He kind of plays a drinking game now, I know for a fact that he lives in the u k and most of the time when he 's tweeting about this it 's around half past six seven o'clock in the morning, certainly very early so whether he 's actually doing the right for life drinking game or not has never quite been um established but um we asked him for a few of his rules so there are some recurring themes that come up when uh when me and you sit down and record this podcast and um and He's uh, he's put a few of them together for us. Now I want to know whether you think that these are fair game, or whether you think that these are these just are these aren't things that we really say on a regular basis. Um, so let's start with the flying parrot. That's you on Twitter at the flying parrot. You already know that. I'm just telling everyone else. Um, is that you have a filthy mind?
1: Well, I I feel that I've been a bit mean to um to hi clueless hello um because i have already talked about playboy this episode um and these were all things that um that he suggested would be part of the drinking game and that you would have to drink if you heard me say something like that i've also lapped into a somerset accent on purpose um i think i've done that twice and we've also talked about ebooks being dead ian
0: so if he if he is, and if the rest of you feel free to play this drinking game, have a drink every time one of these subjects is mentioned in the future, um, he must be absolutely hammered by now.
1: He must be absolutely hammered, and I, <laughs> oh dear, there are, there are, I did, that was um, unintentional, that lapse into a Somerset accent. I was even talking about rugby and managed to get you talking about football um, <laughs> to see if you would... Say the phrase, I was a great footballer, which was another um, <laughs> <laughs> suggestion he had. But you didn't say that this time. I don't think it counts that I said it.
0: No, uh, not really. Tis true, though. <laughs> What's true? <laughs> uh, that I was a great footballer. I'm definitely not. I played football again for the first time in a while, a couple of weeks ago. And it's a strange thing. In fact, maybe, maybe, gosh, I hadn't even thought about this. Maybe my footballing ability now is a good metaphor for my writing ability at the moment. I'm totally unfit and and flabby and useless. It's
1: out of shape.
0: Slightly out of shape, but I think that is it. Now, one of the things we talked about when we last recorded was about forming a habit. I know that I talked about forming a writing habit and how that was important and how there was a distinction between... Um, you know the write every day thing. You don't necessarily have to write every day, but it's good to form a habit of some kind, whatever that is. And um, and maybe that's a maybe that's a good metaphor for my footballing ability, which is to rapidly along with my fitness.
1: Don't get depressed. You're self-deprecating, aren't you? And now, and poor old Clueless is going to be hospitalised if we're not careful from the amount of alcohol he's had to drink.
0: I think we have just <laughs> accidentally ticked off every single one of his drinking game rules: <laughs> self-deprecation, Somerset accent. Ebooks books are dead. Um, filthy mind. I'm great at football. The only thing we haven't talked about is the muse, which of course is an absolute nonsense. There's no such thing as a muse. <laughs> so, um,
1: And this, thing, this, you're, you're talking about fitness and a and little bit at a time and all that. Um, as we've already discussed, and as everybody knows now, um, I um, had a human being removed from me six months ago. Um, and part of the healing process after that I have been going to a physiotherapist um, and I've never done anything like that before having to do daily exercises um, to sort a certain part of my body out and I'm just rubbish at it I'm absolutely rubbish at trying to every day to say I'm going to give myself I mean it only takes like about 5 minutes to do these admittedly I have very very little time at the moment of course I have a tiny little baby and, and lots of other things going on but in the same way that you're talking about the fact that you're out of shape for that, I think that this is going to be really good for me because I have now managed to squeeze in these five minutes to do those exercises. If I can do that, then I'm so sure that I can squeeze in you know, five minutes somewhere else to think about writing.
0: Physiotherapist, um, I've seen lots of physiotherapists. Um, I used to be, I used to be good at football. I don't know if I've mentioned that. So I saw, um, I've seen loads of physios and you're right that you get these exercises where they say, and this is usually, um, obviously if you have like a quite a, a serious injury, then you need some kind of treatment or you may be going for, I don't know, like ultrasound on your knee or you may need, even need surgery, something like that. But when you're at the latter stages of your recovery and you see a physiotherapist, all they sort of tell you and it sounds like this is what you've been told is um, is they give you like a series of exercises and like you say they tell you to do them five minutes a day but my memory of this is that they tell you to do it five minutes a day like four times a day and you have to remember to do them and then when you're actually doing them doing the exercises they are the tiniest of exercises so for example if it's I don't know let's say it's your you've done something to your knee and it's um uh, and and you've been out of action for six months, and as a result, you need to build up your muscle mass around your knee. So I guess you're... Um, I'm, I'm going slightly out of my <laughs> knowledge zone here, but your um, you know the muscles, your quadriceps and and other muscles in the area. Um, <laughs> you know the ones. They just I mean.
1: throw in a random muscle name.
0: You've got your yeah. quadriceps, your gluteus maximus, your pterodactyl, ter- ter- and your triceratops, <laughs> um, and 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 you have to stand against a wall Back against a wall And you have to move your knee Up towards your chest For five seconds But you can go no further than I don't know, an angle of five degrees They're the tiniest movements Movements that almost seem mm. like They're not worth bothering with And so yes. no one does
1: Well, uh, yeah, quite Although for, in my case I have to be very careful about what I'm doing Because my, the I'm going to tell everybody about this because I think this is quite interesting that my my tummy muscles at the front my transverse muscles they're like um, a kind of corset if you will around the human body mine split open because I was so absolutely ginormous um, and so they're not connected at the front at the moment. So I'm trying to bring them back together so that my guts are not like flopped out oh my God. in front of people. <laughs> I'm not dragging and slinging my guts around when I walk. Jeez, it's not quite that bad. I mean,
0: I like oh.
1: <laughs> no! Again, like with the big flap thumb things, I'm exaggerating. Um, I just I need to bring my tummy muscles back in line. And I can't do twisty things. I can't play tennis, for example. I love tennis. So the only things I can do, apparently, are, like you say, tiny little lean forward, hold it for five. Lean to the side, hold it for five. And you just think, really? Like, this is all I can And this is actually going to make me proper, like, right again? But, you know, we'll see. We'll check back in on that, because I bet everyone's fascinated to know whether I managed to get scoop my guts back up and put them back in and get my muscles holding them in again. Don't worry, I will let everybody know how it's going.
0: Well, we can't wait for that.
1: <laughs> um, yes, how are we talking about the drinking game rules? Yes, we were. But anyway, these are things apparently that we go on about all the time, Ian.
0: These are things oh. we go on about all the time, but I think that um I, I th- this is something that I've always known since we started doing the show together and when I listen to other podcasts, I definitely know it, but I always feel I feel a bit I feel like we're a bit different. To other the writing podcasts and of course we are sometimes sometimes i think no one likes to be different <laughs> but then other times i think well you know it's great to be different but you know the truth is most podcasts about writing and when i say most i mean pretty much all of them certainly ones i'm aware of they're very good fantastic and they do this thing where they offer really useful advice for people and um and they they interview people mostly other authors who are looking to shell their, peddle their wares. And, and they, uh, and it's around a topic. So they say this week, you are going to find out all about how to publish your book about purple monsters and everyone who's written books about purple monsters are delighted and, uh, they, they, they love it. And everyone Always who hasn't
1: delighted, sorry.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for the correction. Um, <laughs> really pleased and it's a very specific thing but you gain lots of advice from it and you know it's very specific it's a very specific type of podcast it's the most common kind of podcast and I've been and and you know this show used to be much much more like that um before you show up (laughs) (laughs) I
1: know I was gonna say until I came along and it became all about playboy and guts and stuff
0: and yeah and and um and I'm fine with that and it's this is this is something that I think it's important to acknowledge out loud to everyone listening who we very much appreciate and and uh, and care about deeply. Um, I think it's fair to say, I'm hoping not speaking out of turn, that um, in terms of writing, we, we we do give out advice, we share our thoughts, and we will still be doing that kind of thing. We'll certainly be having listeners' questions later on. You know, there's a lot to look forward to if you're looking for advice. But me and you, Donna, we are authors in flux, Uh, We are not at the peak of our writing powers, I think we've established that, and I feel like we are at a stage in our careers where it's fine to say that. doesn't mean that we are bad writers, it doesn't mean that um, there is a huge, gigantic problem, even though it may feel like it at times, I think it's just where we are in our lives, and I'm happy to say that, and um, I, I think, by the way, that these... This monologue is going, everyone. You'll know that I haven't quite finished my second novel <laughs> the time that we've been away um, for various reasons, which I'm sure we'll talk about over the weeks. Um, but I'm, I'm comfortable with that. I'm comfortable with saying that out loud. Um, I'm comfortable with people knowing that, if they didn't already know from having listened to previous shows. And I'm hoping that that makes for a show that is different and um, honest And, um, and worth listening to if you are a a writer, um, who is not necessarily looking for advice, but at least wants some idea of what it's like to be at, um, different stages in the writing process or in the being published process, whatever the process is. But I, I'm, I'm kind of quite, quite happy to admit that, um, you know, I'm a child saddled writer, um, with, you know, one book out and, I'm under under pressure from myself entirely from myself, um, to, uh, to write another one and still do all of the other things that, uh, that life demands. And I know that we've talked about all this before, but I don't, we, I, I always feel whenever I listen to other podcasts, I'm always so conscious that the hosts and the guests, they just sound like they are swimming in a sea of ideas, creativity, and free time. And, um, I have no idea where this sea is. It seems to be sort of... It's like one of those seas that's just where none of the countries are that no one can really get to.
1: Well, I don't know. I I don't think it is. I think it's entirely accessible. I I see it every day on Facebook, all my contemporaries and all their, um, well, flurries of creativity and lots of people having books and deals and all sorts is going on. So, yes, it's happening, but... Yeah, I'm kind of, well, as you say, I'm in the same situation as you are. Um, Let's put it this way. My writing progress um, during the six months that we've just had off, I imagined planning a novel. But I didn't plan a novel. I just imagined planning it. And that, for me, was progress.
0: So is that, give us your update. So um, tell us where you are with your writing. When When you, I mean, let's be fair, you had a pretty reasonable excuse to, put the pen down for a while
1: Ah, I did yeah um I uh, I think I started writing a poem about a dragonfly (laughs) and then I um got distracted by something else and then I started imagining writing a novel and I planned um in my head how I would plan it but I didn't actually plan it and that's as far as I've got
0: and um, and how are you feeling now going forward? Because I mean, uh, to add to everything that I just said, this is something that we talked about, wasn't it? When we stopped doing the podcast. Yes, um, this
1: is nothing new. This is nothing new. I mean, for me, I I I knew that I was going to be doing something else. That's I'm actually being paid by my full time job to look after, um, you know, my new child. So it's not that you know, it's not a bad thing at all. It's absolutely a wonderful position to be in. But I have been very very busy as well as doing that with lots of other things and I felt like I've been getting rid of all of the annoying kind of irritating day-to-day jobs sorting stuff out so that the rest of my maternity leave I am looking forward actually now to the next six months to being able to to devote a little bit more time to creative pursuits um not tennis because I can't do that because I can't twist because my guts will fall out so I am going to probably be doing a bit of writing. And, um, and that's, I don't think that's optimistic. So I haven't done anything, but I am going to. That's my update.
0: This episode of the Write for Your Life podcast is sponsored by Squarespace. The easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog or online store. Now, as you probably know, we writers are expected to have some kind of online platform to show off our work and build an audience. That always starts with a website. I made my first website in 2008 and spent the next six years pulling my hair out. Of course, at first I thought it was sort of fun to have things break and to waste my evenings messing around with HTML, broken plugins and bad tutorials on YouTube. But then I realised I might actually be better spending that time doing something useful. You know, like, like writing. And so last year I found and fell for Squarespace. Squarespace makes it incredibly easy to set up your own website, whether you're a budding author, freelance copywriter, or like me, both of the above. It's all drag and drop, which means that you can take one of Squarespace's stunning starter templates and make it your own in no time at all. And every site made on Squarespace is automatically going to be responsive, which means that your website will scale to look great on any device. Like I said, it's incredibly easy to use. But if you do have a problem, there's no need to waste your time trying to learn skills that you neither have nor want. Because Squarespace has a support team who are always there for you when you need them, with 24-7 support via live chat and email. Got some wares to sell? That's no problem too. Squarespace has commerce built right in. Every website comes with a free online store, which means from ebooks to actual real-life goodies, you can flog what you've got from your own site. And finally, Cover Pages. If you've got something specific to shout about, or if you just want to get a site up sharpish while you work on the full shebang, Squarespace's Cover Pages feature allows you to set up a beautiful one-page online presence in minutes. How much does all this cost? Well, not a lot. Squarespace starts at just $8 a month, and you get a free domain if you decide to sign up for the annual plan. Head to squarespace.com slash WFYL and get started with a free trial, no credit card required, and start building your website today. Even better, when you sign up for Squarespace, make sure you use the offer code WRITE, that's W-R-I-T-E, to get 10% off and show your support for Write for Your Life. So, thank you to Squarespace for their continued support of 5x5 and the Write for Your Life podcast. Squarespace, build it beautiful. Hi, uh, shall I give my update? do it feels like an appropriate time so I guess so we we did talk um in um march or april whenever it was um me and you off air so we did talk about the fact that we well we, we were very conscious i think of having a podcast about writing <laughs> where we gave our writing advice and yet we were struggling to um to to write in our actual lives and and i like i've just said uh, it's, that's that's kind of something that we've decided is fine and is okay and we will start doing the podcast again and hopefully that will be a more interesting story because you know ultimately we end up talking about ourselves and this show is partly our story as well and hopefully people get stuff out of it that isn't related to me and you but you know what I mean my summer has been um uh, an interesting one I've had stuff happen some good stuff has happened writing wise I've had my audiobook published Which is um, amazing and fantastic. So, the audiobook version of A.S. Frangelica is now available. And I will talk through the story of that um, soon, too. But I mean, you know, that's a a huge thing. When I first had the book published, I was really keen to have, you know, kind of a version, um, uh, all all of the versions. So, you know, all all of the great, fantastic, marvelous versions, like the paperback and the ebook and the audiobook. Missed out on the hardback, but I can live with that. So that was a great thing, and the process of putting that together is very interesting, and I hopefully we will talk about that either later or in another show. Um, but something else happened that wasn't so good, and that was that I stopped writing my second novel completely, and I'm now writing my third novel. And that's not something that I necessarily expected to do when we stopped doing the show, when we went on our break, but that is what happened. I got to the middle of summer and um, I was finding working on the novel so difficult like I wasn't it, just no enjoyment from it whatsoever now I know it's a challenge and I know it's difficult to um, get back into something when you're don't when you're not necessarily doing it every single day as discussed but it was just um it was just such a such a you know it was just mentally draining, like just sitting at my desk thinking, where on earth do I start? And this is an idea that I'd had for years. And the I think deep down, I think deep down, I'd known for a long time that I was writing the wrong novel. I'd kind of alluded to it in previous shows that I had these two ideas. I think I remember talking about two ideas and and, and all that kind of thing. And I just decided one day that... Enough was enough, and I needed to put what I'd done to one side, which was around ten thousand words, so not you know nowhere near finished, but not an insignificant amount of work, and sort of shelve that and start writing novel number three, and um, and since then since then it's been uh, much better, and I'm enjoying doing it, and the idea is better. And I have a full outline. And that's been one of my problems, I think, is deciding when to outline and when not to. Chuck Wendick had a brilliant post on the various different ways that you can outline. We'll put this in the show notes. Um, outline your novel. Lots of different types of outlining method. Um, a lot of which were things I'd done previously, but hadn't, I'd never kind of given a name to it. Um um so that's a great post which you should read but I found I just kind of realized that this idea that I'd had I'd been working on for like two years or something like that this novel that I'd written you know a reasonable amount of words for I just I didn't have an ending um I wasn't sure what happened in the middle I knew that some key events were going to happen but ultimately the entire book was around one central premise which I thought was so gripping and so good that I just had to write the rest of the book around it and and it would come, it didn't matter because the the actual, the the core, the concept was so good that everything else would fall into place and it never did. And so where I'm at at the moment is I have um, a few thousand words written but more importantly, I have a real strong sense of um, what the book is about, what the tone of the book is, um, what's going to happen and crucially, a timeline of sorts um for when things happen so i've not really finished the outline uh in the way that i would like but it's it is at least um a jigsaw that i'm assembling and all all of the pieces are in my box as opposed to just me having like one piece in the middle and hoping that i kind of find all the rest of the pieces behind the back of the sofa at some point
1: Mm. that's great um and it's I've I've done this I've had ideas for books and I, and and I've thought oh yeah yeah I could totally do that and I was like actually I wouldn't want to write that I wouldn't want to spend you know all my spare minutes that I can muster getting in in into that story that's just not I I wouldn't enjoy that even though you have an idea it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to fit with you as as a person and a writer um so I can totally totally understand and it must have felt really good just to say That's not happening. And anyway, you don't know whether it will be forever. Maybe one day you'll come back to
0: that story. Well, I like that's why I said it's sort of parked to one side. I think I possibly will come back to it, but it's um, and I might even use you know some of the some of the writing that I've already done in um, novel number three. But um, yeah, it was nice to make a decision. I think sometimes that's all you need in life is to just make a decision, even if you've no idea if it's the right decision to make sometimes i think it's just just a case of saying okay this is what i'm going to do and then crack on with it
1: i as you talked a minute ago um about us not necessarily just sitting and doling out advice i actually need some advice
0: do you need advice from me a doctor or a tennis coach
1: (laughs) I need advice from you and from anybody who might be listening and people can get in touch um, with us via Twitter on the right for your life hashtag, which is hashtag WFYL. Um, or they can tweet us at the flying poet and you're at Ian Broom, aren't you? I am. Two eyes and Ian. That's right. Yeah. Um, yes. I, so, something quite exciting and really, really sad. It shows what kind of stage in my life I'm at. Um, so, just had a baby, and I said to my uh, other half, Morton, uh, our regular listeners will know Morton, my Danish husband, well, he's not into we, reading. We should
0: be clear that Morton isn't one of the regular listeners.
1: <laughs> he certainly is not. He's not, a uh, no. I mean, he barely reads a book, this, this bloke, I'm telling you. He, as we regular listeners will know, has only read uh, The Da Vinci Code. That's the, probably the only book he's read that's not a business book. Anyway... I said, I think that all we are talking about these days are our kids, and he, in probably the most gracious um, uh, act of his entire life and of our relationship, said, "Let's do a two-person <laughs> book club."
0: <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
1: Is that amazing?
0: It, I mean, the, the <laughs> yeah, carry on. I just that sort of probably the weirdest compliment you just pay. <laughs>
1: Because he hates reading He never reads And he knows that I love books So he said Oh let's do a two person book
0: club no, no and I'm not suggesting That that's not a wonderful And gracious thing for him to do But it's just The fact that you described it As the most gracious thing He's ever done
1: <laughs> It's it's you know Poor Morton It was a big thing For him to offer to do um, And he even said I could choose the first book Anyway As it happened I'd I bought The Martian. You know, The Martian has been made into a film, Matt Damon, blah, 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 okay. all that kind of stuff. And um, I thought, oh, look, I can be really kind to Morton because I was going to read that next anyway. So I said, let's read The Martian because, you know, I think you'll probably like that book. Um, and as it turns out, he really did. And it's been difficult to wrestle it off. And we've only got one copy. We are reading the same book, literally. We are both reading the same copy of the book. <laughs> um, but, um But I've never been in a book club in my entire life. So now we've got this two-person book club, and it's quite funny. We're both reading this book, and I have no idea what you're supposed to do in a book club. So I don't know. Are we supposed to read the entire book and then talk about it stuff? Or are we supposed to, like, read a chapter and talk about it? Are we supposed to... Have you ever been in a book club, Ian? Um,
0: I've not been... I, I haven't been in a book club, but I've always felt like I probably should be in a book club. But
1: your book has been in book clubs, hasn't it? A.S. Frangelica has been.
0: Yeah, hasn't it? yeah, no, it has. I've had a few people have um, sort of told me that they've read, you know, over Twitter or whatever, said that they've read the book as part of a book club, and um, I, I, I did go to um, a book club event last month. So that's another thing that happened over the summer. So I was invited to um, a, a book club uh, to kind of be. Get, uh, get, uh, guest of honor i think that's the correct phrase king of king of book club guest of honor um and and of course as opposed to behaving like a king i i kind of um well i, I arrived late and i um and i kind of uh, shuffled in and uh, and sat down and it was quite quite a big book group around sort of i don't know 15 to 20 people um all female which is perhaps something interesting we can talk about when it comes to book clubs um and um we
1: talked about being a great footballer and we self-deprecating i bet as soon as you got in there
0: i didn't talk about being a great footballer because being self-deprecating and talking about being a great footballer is is, is difficult to do at the same time um <laughs> but i did uh i was. <laughs> i i did um i i i was uh, you know welcome this is ian and etc and you know of course some some people there had read the book and so they, you know, they knew I was coming basically and and I was asked they said so do you want to talk about uh do you want to talk about your book first do you want to do you want to introduce yourself and introduce the book and do you know what I said you said no I said no I said no no it's <laughs> <laughs> sorry I said it's I said no no it's all right it's okay it's fine you because you, I was late so you know I, I was I was kind of interrupting so I said no no it's fine um you guys carry on and uh and we can talk about that later that's fine no worries and
1: um the whole reason why you were there it's
0: the entire what were you doing it's the entire reason i was there i didn't see my boys and get to put them to bed that night because i was late back from work um i went straight from work and i was late back and um and and so um uh, we did eventually talk about my book but and, and it was fine, and, and and it was mostly questions about being a writer as opposed to about the book, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, I, yeah, sure, I can but
1: imagine. So are you saying that they, they were talking about another book? And so
0: the way that their book club worked um, is that they all, um, at the start of the month, they can choose from one of, I don't know, three or four books, and because there's so many of them, I guess, they kind of cover all of the books in one go. So there's a lot of stuff to get through before they got to the Guest of Honour. And um, and so I I mean I I was I was trying to contribute but I hadn't read any of the books that they were talking about <laughs> um, and because I because I was late I missed out on the drinks and the shop had closed. Um,
1: that sounds terrible. It sounds it sounds like a nightmare.
0: It was it was it was fine. Everyone was very lovely and it's a very lovely book club and um, it did make me think you know I should really be in a book club but the truth is I was kind of just in the book club for an hour.
1: I am still no wiser about what Morton and I should be doing now. Like we've nearly finished *The Martian*. I mean, should we be like coming up with questions for each other, or
0: absolutely? Uh, You should talk. You should. You should go for. Well, first of all, you should get a babysitter, um, and then you should go out into Copenhagen. You should hire a gondola. You have those there, don't you? And (laughs) and you should gondol along the canal, and whilst the mood is right. You should start asking questions about *The Martian*, like, "What did you think to the book, Morton?" And did you like this particular bit? I did like this particular bit. I hated that bit though, and I thought this bit might have been a bit politically correct or something like that. And then you can
1: you see that sounds like what I imagine a primary school book club would be. I thought that we were supposed to be a bit more advanced than that.
0: Uh, what are you going to do? To what is going to be in your two-person advanced book club?
1: I mean, slightly more than which was your favourite bit. I like this bit. Because at the moment, that's all I can imagine as well. I guess we could talk a little bit about the... It's difficult because we know this has been turned into a film now. And I'm having difficulty imagining how they would turn it into a film. I don't want to spoil it for you or anybody else who's not read the book or seen the film. But it's a, it's, it's a very technical book. There's a lot of science in that book. Um done in the, in the form of a, of a kind of like a voiceover or like a log. So I'm imagining in the film that Matt Damon is going to do a lot of um, talking about science. I'm just imagining how interesting that's going to be for everybody.
0: Who knows? I've not read it. Um, I've not been to the cinema for three and a half years. So um, I don't know how likely I am going to, how likely it is that I'm going to be able to contribute much to your particular book club. But you should definitely ask questions about how did it make you feel? How did it make you feel? What did you think to the way that this bit was written? Do you think there was too much detail in this particular section? Or did you find that the characters were expressing themselves in a way that was just right? I don't know. I've not been in a book club. It sounds like I'd be terrible in a book club.
1: Well, it would be nice if anybody else has any ideas. uh, (laughs) What
0: do you you think to um, a Right for Your Life book club?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that, that, if people have read The Martian, is what this, we could start with that, couldn't we? Um, I, one thing that it's thrown up for me, which I would just like to mention, is um, this idea of, like, a, a novel with a very heavy science content. Um, because I was thinking, you know, there are... Obviously, you can research different topics when you're writing a novel, but there are a lot of things that you need extra help with. And I was under the impression that the Welcome Trust... Do you know the Welcome Trust? Yeah, I do, Yeah. Yeah. They're an organisation that, um, that they promote kind of understanding of science and um, the furthering of scientific research, I think. Is, is I mean, you have to look on their website. They do loads of different things. I was under the impression that the Wellcome Trust had a service that helped writers who wanted to, like, check science in their books. Um, and I tweeted them today, and apparently I don't think that they do do that. They're very, very helpful. They do have a book prize, though, which is for um, books that further knowledge about science and health. Um, they can be non-fiction or fiction. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, what do people do if you're going to, if you're going to be writing a book and you know, you need to have, you need to pin down the facts and the science, what do people do? Find a scientist online.
0: Well, you find a scientist online, but I mean, there's been a lot of science fiction written. I think some stuff you can just make up, or are you talking about real science
1: I'm talking about real science.
0: Well, I guess it's the same, it's the same issue as can you write a book about a subject that you don't, you know, know intimately? Can you write about what you don't know?
1: Yeah, but of course, I mean, everybody does. You take like, I'm just thinking of a random example off the top of my head, something like, I don't know, Wolf Hall, you know, Hilary Mantel was talking about something like carpet traders in the medieval times or whatever. You know, I mean, you it's like the same with historical novels people have to find out about things they don't know about and yes it's easy in this day and age to find out about everything but there are some things which you're not going to be able to do by yourself if you're writing a crime novel for example you don't have to be an expert um you know in how bodies decompose and things like that
0: no i suppose not but it's um that's a historical novel so there are facts of course that you can look back on there is a certain sense of um you know no one can go back in time but the whole The great thing about writing uh, historical fiction is that there is, you know, there are some actual things that happened and there are lots and lots of books that you can read to find out exactly. I'm talking more about um, how, you know, people would, people do write books about places that they've never been to, for example. In fact, um, I've just read uh, The the Last Pilots by uh, Ben Johncock who is um, um, kind of a he's a debut novelist from the uk and the book is doing very very well and um and i think will continue to do extremely well and it's a great book um it's um and it's about he's he's from uh he's from from he's from england um i believe he lives in um the sort of norwich area i think (laughs) might be wrong about that east anglia um and so a very specific part of england and he's written a book a novel about um the Space race from the sort of 40s, 50s, 60s. Um, and it's about uh, you know, test pilots in the Mojave Desert. And it's extremely authentic and it's exceptionally well written. And he's getting lots of praise for the dialogue, especially now. He's 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 only been I think I read in one of the interviews that he did that he's only been to um, he's only been to. The US once, and yet he's done this entire book that is set there and is kind of pitch perfect. So it's definitely possible.
1: Well, uh, I will persevere with um, The Martian and with my book club. Okay. I will let you know how it goes. Report back. I will. I will. Okay, it's time for a (coughs) listener's question. I've missed doing that.
0: We've all missed you doing that.
1: Oh, thanks. Um, Who do we have a question from this week, Ian?
0: We have a question from a listener, because that's the whole point. And this listener this week is uh, The Bento Buff uh, on Twitter, at uh, The Bento Buff. And she says, How do you two think, and I think when she says two, she means both of us, how do you two think you've grown since the break? In brackets, can include how you've grown as a person and a writer. So, mm. um, Donna, how do you think you've grown since the break?
1: Well I was going to say I've literally grown, I've got a lot of extra skin. Um, uh, we've, and we've, we've
0: we've we've kind of covered that.
1: <laughs> I um I feel like I like I've had quite a nice break now since writing and since publishing my poetry collection. I I quite enjoy reading my poetry collection now. I feel like I've I've had a bit of space from it. Um and I kind of go back and leave through and I and I'm getting a bit of inspiration from it. So that's really good um so yes um well i've become very efficient at traveling on airplanes with two children alone um and a baby so that has helped me grow as a person because i feel like i've rediscovered the kindness of strangers and how exciting and interesting it is to talk to strangers and i think it's vital for a writer to be able to do that
0: this is true and speaking of people that um that we don't know. I don't know if this really counts as my the ans- my answer to the question about having grown since the break, but I feel like I kind of covered that when I talked about certainly as a writer anyway. Um, sadly my fingers have not grown. They're exactly the same size as they were before. Um, but um I think I yeah, I covered it really when I talked about sort of making that decision. So that was that's my my growth as a writer was just being a bit a bit more honest with myself as to where I am and um and then publicly telling everyone here on the podcast. But um, in terms of uh, of what you just said and kind of being around people you don't know, I did have an experience in that domain uh, when I went to an author party. I was invited to an author party. You might even want to call it a fancy author party because, mm-hmm. it, because it was in London and there, were, there was wine. And um, it was a party organised on behalf of... Um, uh, the agency. So my my agent and another one of the agents from the agency, Conval and Walsh, uh threw a party for their authors. So it wasn't like a it wasn't um in in celebration of anything, it was just a, a chance to bring a load of authors together who happened to be on the books of the same agency. And um and it was it was great, but I was very nervous. And this, this happened when you were actually here with us in the UK. You were staying at our house, Donna, weren't you? So I you I, I was. You, you you waved me off and welcomed me back.
1: I did and um it seems like so long ago but but it was a good it was a good trip down to the big smoke for you.
0: It was a good trip. I was um uh, I was exceptionally nervous. Um
1: Yeah, I know, it was quite funny. <laughs> I I don't imagine that people, the listeners of this podcast would have thought that, that you would have been, but you were.
0: I, I was extremely nervous about it and um, I don't think I actually told you this when I got back but you know how I, I sort of went in good time to make sure that I was nice and early well mm-hmm. I, I'd taken my laptop with me and my plan was that I would go to um so I arrived from Sheffield into London into St Pancras and I thought well I'll I'll go and um, I'll find a coffee shop and I'll get some work done and then maybe I'll maybe I'll, I'll, I'll saunter through some streets uh with with cobbles on and maybe there'll be an old man next to a lamppost who's wearing a cap and um and a pearly suit and I will I will I will get some work done and I will enjoy being um a man in his 30s in London on his own for the day this is this is my this is my chance to to live life and um what really happened was I was so nervous that um I wasn't able to leave St Pancras station for three hours because my bowel movements required me <laughs> required me to stay in what I was thinking of as a safe zone where I'd found um, a cafe and some toileting facilities that I was comfortable with and I did not want to leave them
1: yeah, this is- Cannot believe that we've come back from a break to our beloved writing podcast, and you are. I mean, this is like deep confession time on your part, in so many different levels. That that you were this nervous about going to meet a bunch of authors. It's insane. But, I had no idea you were that nervous. I knew you were nervous, but not that nervous. Not toilet destroying nervous.
0: But the reason I'm saying this and being confessional is because. Um I think it's um i think I think people don't necessarily think people who've had you know a book it's only one book but it is a book and it is published that w- that we walk around the likes of you and I with our fancy books walk around with kind of a a velvet dressing gown and a staff, and we can go to um events with wine and um and nibbles and and kind of Lord it up and um that's not the case I'm a I'm a daft lad from the north of England who um is slightly trepidatious about travelling to London and having a meeting uh, not a meeting but a, a party with a load of people who, in my head or they are basically uh, Salman Rushdie. Everybody is Salman Rushdie. They've all got distinguished careers, and I'm I'm just a, an imposter, as they say, when it comes to uh, syndromes and such. In this situation, but I I was just uh, I was just nervous about what I would say, and of course I was dreading the question. So, have you got another book coming out soon? And then in my head I'm going, well, actually I've just abandoned it, um, and I'm writing something else from scratch. Um, and and so I was just extremely nervous about all of these potential conversations that I was going to have to have that would make me feel a bit uncomfortable. You know, just the usual stuff of being worried about saying the wrong thing. And, um, and it wasn't like that at all, really. Um, first of all, as soon as I got there, so I've, I've mentioned this before, but... <laughs> Uh, Nathan Filer who is uh, who is Nathan Filer basically he's the author who wrote the shock of the fall we've talked about him loads he's been on the podcast before he has uh, he wrote his book his Huge, it's sold uh, an awful lot of copies. He's basically quite a famous author in the UK these days. Um, but I've met him and been to dinner with him and his wife and met his kids and all sorts before because we share an agent. And of course, this party was for our agents, um, authors. And so all of these nerves kind of evaporated when I walked in and, and sort of the most famous person in the room was like, hi, Ian, how are you doing? And of course, I suddenly uh thought oh this is this is where I belong <laughs> this is these are my people and um as much as that isn't necessarily true it kind of relaxed me somewhat and um I had a good catch up with him and um and I had conversations with at least 3 people who I recognized and nodded my head at quite a bit and then only later realized that they were people I probably should have known um and um and and also more interestingly far more interestingly than all that nonsense, is I realised that I was not in with the Salman Rushdies of the group, not that Salman Rushdie was there, or anyone remotely as famous, or well kind of got any kind of back catalogue like that. I wasn't with that type of person, but I also wasn't like the newest author there. For some reason I think I'd been in St Pancras Station, really propped up very closely to that toileting area thinking that i was going to be like the new kid in town and of course i wasn't there have been lots of Come lots on. of or, lots no
1: no no you need to have said new kid on the block there you can't you can't say you have to say new kid on the block
0: A new kid on the block
1: <laughs> yeah yeah okay carry on <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay i was not the new kid on the block but i was uh, i was hanging tough um, and I, uh, I, I was not the, not the new author. I was not the debut author. There were authors there who, whose books were in, like their first books were in progress. They'd just been taken on by the agency. Um, or their books are literally about to come out. And they were asking about my book and, um, you know, how did it go? What's going to happen at this point? Um, and, and I, so I was, as I totally should have realized, very much in the middle, and um, I had no reason to be nervous whatsoever. And in actual fact, I had quite a nice night, and everything was fine.
1: Excellent that you took a spare pair of pants.
0: Always take a spare pair of pants to both London, but also a, um, <laughs> to an author event and an author <laughs> event.
1: Well, I have to say that I mean I I love hobnobbing and those kind of things. I'm I think we're just different different kind of characters, maybe.
0: I I like it. And usually i and this is one of the changes in my life, and we won 't go through the fact that we 've had children again because we 've already done it twenty times in this podcast uh, episode but um uh, I used to be Mr. Captain Confidence, bring on the author party, let me dance for you, <laughs> but um not really like that anymore don't do it as much
1: so you survived you survived um a very enjoyable author party in the end. Will there be more author parties like that for uh, for the agency or is it, was it something particularly Um special? It was a bit
0: of a one-off, I think there may be some in the future, but ultimately I need to get my uh, act together and write this book next week. Um, or uh, in a fortnight, of course, because we, we waited till the end of the podcast to tell people that we are now recording fortnightly instead of weekly um, as a, as a result of our extremely mm. busy schedules. Um, so in a fortnight's time, um, I need to tell you about my wall of things that happen, which I've created for um, my third novel, which is really my second novel. And it's, uh, it's I'm looking at it right now. It's a, it's a wall of post-it notes. Not the same type of wall of post-it notes that I created when I was writing my first novel. Um, it's a different kind of thing. It is, it's a wall called things that happen, and it has things on it. So let me just read one here. Tom sees Olivia with bus driver. So it's got very interesting stuff like that on it. And um no spoilers, so I won't give you any more. Um but I will talk about why I've decided to do that and why I'm finding it useful maybe in a fortnight's time if that's okay.
1: Sounds fabulous. Um and in the meantime, as I mentioned before, you can hook up with us on Twitter. Well not hook up like that. I don't know whether you know you can chat to us and all that stuff. Um, At the Flying Poets, me, at Ian Broom is you, and the hashtag WFYL. How else can they get in touch with you, Ian?
0: They could just email the show. So um, I'm not sure we've done this successfully, but the idea is that we're going to be, we want to try and build this into more of, uh, much more of a a community, a right for your life, the community. So um, uh, there are lots of ways that we can do this, and um, I'm, I'm looking into them now. But if you're interested in being part of, maybe you'd want to join Donna Morton's book club or maybe you'd like to um maybe you'd like uh, to be part of a, a write for your life writing club maybe we could start something together us and uh, you listeners but I, I really need to get some idea of whether people are interested in in uh, something i will talk about this in more detail probably in a fortnight's time because i do have some ideas but I, I also welcome ideas so if anyone has uh, um uh, some thoughts on that please email me at um hello at ianbroom.com ianbroom spelt like my name is spelt two i's i-a-i-n um and just say yes I'd love to be part of a Write for Your Life writer's club where we discuss writing and share ideas and advice uh, and various other things. Um, So not sure what format that might take. I do have some thoughts. It might be a paid thing. It might be, uh, it might have sort of tiers. So there might be a free elements, then some paid stuff as well. Not sure, but I'm very happy to. I thought you meant like
1: that you shout at people and tell them their writing's rubbish and then they cry
0: well that's that's always an option that Different might kind of tears i do like yep. to charge people for that kind of thing <laughs> <laughs> um it would be or any feedback would always be constructive but thoughts welcome feel free to send them in either on twitter or uh, hello at ianbroom.com
1: great well then i will speak to you in a couple of weeks